0: Hi, I'm Caitlin. Welcome to Better Words.
1: Hi, everyone. (laughs) Hi. We're in different countries. It's amazing. We're in different time zones. The magic of technology. Ah. (laughs) This is amazing. It's been nice. We've been catching up um, before we've recorded
0: Yes, actually the first time we have spoken apart from on Facebook Messenger mm-hmm. um, since I left the country. So yes.
1: yeah, it's it's been um, I feel like I've been here forever. Like literally, people have been like, "Oh, so when did you arrive?" And I'm like, "Oh, it's been like two days." But yeah, yeah.
0: already such a local. <laughs> 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 I'm just born gonna, to be there.
1: Yeah. The best thing about being here is that the plane trip is over, but the best thing about being on the plane was that I had like hours and hours to watch movies, which was good. Please tell me you'd
0: watched a lot of movies.
1: I actually didn't because I did try to sleep. <laughs> oh, sorry. You're I tried. Disappointed. To... I know. But we also had, like, a 10.30 p.m. flight out of Australia, so it literally was the middle of the night and we had been awake all day, so I was exhausted. Um, and as you know, 10.30 p.m. is very much past my usual bedtime, so I kind of fell asleep almost as soon as we got on the plane, actually. No, I watched one movie and then I sort of fell asleep and really tried to stay asleep. Um But you know what that's like on a plane. And also I started reading, (laughs) I started rereading Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix for the first time ever. Um, (laughs) So I tried to read that sort of for a bit before I got tired and then watched a movie with the idea that I would go to sleep. So, yeah, I I tried to do a little bit more, even though I should have probably watched more movies, but I wanted to read Harry Potter. So, yeah.
0: yeah. How much of it did you get through?
1: On the plane, only, like, 10% because I'm reading it on my e-reader. So mm-hmm. I like 10% um, and it's been good now because we don't have, our Airbnb doesn't have, like, a bedside table with a lamp. So when Jack goes to bed, I can turn the big light off and still read on my e-reader. So I'm a little bit further through and Harry's just had his hearing for his um, use of the Patronus charm, but already there's so much. I was like, oh, There's so much that gets cut out in the movie, obviously. Yeah. And I'd sort of forgotten because I haven't read this in, like, 10, 15, maybe, years. Maybe? No.
0: Surely not 15 yet.
1: No, 10 years. So I probably, I haven't read it in that long. Yeah, it would be about 10 years. Um, Yeah. Because it's my least favourite and it's so long, but I am enjoying going back to it. and given it's on e reading as well, I can't see how long it is, so we're all good.
0: (laughs) So I've been reading How It Feels to Float. Um, I'm almost finished it, Um, and we've had a lovely chat with Helena, so everyone stay tuned for that. But, oh, my God, isn't it just so beautifully written? Like, it's such a beautiful book. I don't really know what other words to use. It's just really beautiful.
1: Yeah, I think um, raw would be the one word. Yeah,
0: that's a good one too.
1: Yeah, it's so beautiful.
0: Yeah, but I'm really interested also, like, I really like the fact that the story has changed a lot. Um, You know, like there's, I'd say, like, I'm not finished yet. I'd say I'm, I'm on, like, the fourth phase sort of of the story, and I think there may even be one more which, you know, it's not just one thing, I guess, that's happening. There's a few different things that happen. I don't really know. I don't want to explain it too much because I don't want to give it away.
1: So It's definitely one of those books that's character-driven rather than plot-driven, but there is a really good plot too. Mm -hmm. It's funny, though, when I started it, I thought maybe in the first chapter, I was like, oh, this is going to go in a certain direction, and I was okay with that, but then it completely went Totally the opposite, and I was like, Oh, okay,
0: all right, almost, It's like I thought that too, and it almost does go in that direction, and then it completely changes. It's like a train changing tracks, and then it swaps back, like swaps to something else, and then turns a corner and does something else. So, but
1: none of that is a crazy way that's yeah, it doesn't. When you're reading it, you're not like, Oh my god, what the hell is happening? It's like it just feels natural um, and just not predictable in any way.
0: Yeah. But then when you think about it, it's like, oh yeah, there's been a few different things happening. So, but yeah, I'm really, really enjoying it. And yeah, just been, I don't know, I'd gotten so (laughs) for a second there, I got really bad with like, reading again because I read so many books when I went away for Easter and then in May I've read, like, nothing and I've been watching, like, heaps of TV because all these TV shows got new series added on Netflix. So I've watched Shits Creek, Santa Clarita Diet. I finally we'll finished still haven't watching watched that. Yeah. You would love it, honestly. You need to watch it.
1: I literally said to Jack this morning, when can we finish watching Santa Clarita Diet? And he's like, when we finish watching Great British Bake Off because that's what we've been binging. Well, I've yeah. been... So, everyone, I got sick on the plane, and so my first few days in England have been me snotting up the room that we're staying in and watching Great British Bake Off on Netflix, which is very good to watch when you're sick because it just makes you feel happy. It also makes you feel hungry, but, (laughs) yeah, no, it's good. It's good. We will watch it eventually. Um, I watched some really good things on the plane.
0: What did you watch on the plane?
1: Well, I finally watched Crazy Rich Asians. Ah, It's so good. It's so so amazing. Yes. Loved it. Yeah, so I really want to read the books now, I think, especially because some of the people I've talked to after watching the movie were like, yeah, the movie was great, but the book's even better. And, of course, that makes me want to read it. And it was funny. I was watching the movie thinking, where would the rest of the books go? Like, I don't know if they're companion novels or if they're – the same people.
0: Well, from my understanding, having not read the other two, the second one focuses focuses on
1: is it Astrid, Nick's sister? Yeah. Yes. Oh, good. I thought yeah. that's where it was. It's him. like
0: yeah, yeah. It's like it goes over to her love story sort of thing. Yeah. Is it? Oh, good. Sister? cousin? I don't. Yeah. Cous- But, again, in the first book, like, you know, with so many characters in a story like that, like there's just more depth, which you always get from the book that can't always translate to the movie. But the movie does a really good job, I think.
1: I was just – it was so much fun. And, you know, I'm not the biggest rom-com watcher, but I like something that has still, like, genuine – like I really don't like frivolous romantic movies. Yeah. So no, I know
0: what you mean. It just almost seems a bit silly to say that crazy rich Asians isn't frivolous. Because the whole kind of point is that they're crazy rich.
1: Yes, but <laughs> <laughs> I like meant in the story terms story isn't frivolous. Yeah, I meant in terms of the story, like there's still yeah. so much emotion and heart with um, you know, Nick's family and the whole idea of, like, do you put family first or your own love first? And I just thought that was really, it was really beautiful. And I just, yeah, yeah I want to see more movies like that. It was wonderful. And more diverse movies like that, uh, that. That And not just, like, I know we could seek them out if we wanted to, but more Hollywood movies that are.
0: Mainstream. Yes.
1: Yes. I loved that. Um, and on that topic as well, I also watched The Hate You Give.
0: <gasps> yes, I have it. I need to read it. It's also, I don't think the movie was ever released in the cinema in Little Old Rockhampton. So I don't have think to see it was. somewhere else. No. Yeah. Because I'm sure it's out. Like,
1: yeah. I don't know. Uh, well, it was on the plane, so it's definitely out. Yes. yes. <laughs> Good point. Um, I had borrowed the book to read before we left like at the start of the year and it just was one that I didn't get around to because we've been Mm -hmm. bringing both of us have been reading a lot for the podcast lately yeah so my reading was sort of taken up with that and I didn't get around to it but oh my god like talk about mainstream diverse movies this was amazing um the actress who played star was incredible And, I mean, everyone –
0: Amanda – oh, what's her name? Amanda Stelberg or something like that. She was in The Hunger Games and Everything, Everything.
1: Oh, okay.
0: Yeah. And something else. She's been in, like – it's one of these things that's, like, she's been in a few of these, like, YA adaptations.
1: Oh, like – yeah. Who was doing – who was that? Oh, yeah, Sinead Woodley, who was, like, in yeah. that stuff. And then, like, she just was doing a few of those. That's funny. Yeah. Um, And it's weird, though, because it's got Archie in it from Riverdale. Does it? I didn't know yeah. Kate Apple was in that movie. Yeah, but oh. she, like, dyed black hair. And I'm like, oh, my God, we've gone from overly dramatic dyed red hair to dyed black hair, and it just looks weird. Like – yeah because his hair never looks natural like I'm just like I can anyway he was good in it um he was a bit annoying but he was good (laughs) but I was it was hard to see him as Archie at first I'm like oh it's Archie uh but yeah the whole the whole cast was amazing that story though oh my god like so I was already tired, already emotional because I've just moved away from everyone I know. So we we're on the plane and I was like, "Jack, I'm so upset. Like this movie is so sad." Uh it I mean it built it it's funny because it like tears you down then builds you back up because there is hope there as well. But oh my god, some moments like I, I just like kept saying I was like, "Oh, Jack, I need a break from this movie." Like, oh, like when the food came. <laughs> back, I was like, oh, "I can't keep watching it. Let's just talk for a bit because I can't keep watching it." It's, yeah, it's a real, like, punch. It's amazing. Um, and then this is the last movie I watched was Instant Family with oh, Mark.
0: that looks really funny.
1: Yeah, so now I'm regretting not seeing it in the cinema with Jack because I was most of the way through it. And then I was like, oh, Jack, you would have loved this movie. But the reason I wanted to watch it is because I know that Eliza Schlesinger had a cameo in it. Oh, right. I forgot. Yes. <laughs> so that's good. how I heard about it. That's how I heard about it. And so I was like, oh, i got to watch this because Eliza's in it. It was so good. It was so good. Um, one of those funny family movies but with so much emotion and heart. So they become foster parents and they become foster parents mm-hmm. to a teenager and her two younger siblings. So they become an instant family. And – it really deals with some pretty complex emotions with lots of humour and Eliza's character's really funny. She's only on there for a few minutes but, oh, my God, she's funny. But then at the end they had actual real photos of foster families and adopted Aww. stuff, and that was really beautiful. So it just it was really uplifting and funny and, yeah, Mark Wahlberg and Rose Byrne were really great in that and also because I've done no research ever um the the kids who played to the, the young girl and boy and then the teenage girl they were all great they were all amazing so I really enjoyed that um and then the other thing I watched that was new to me which you've been telling me to watch and I can see why was marvelous Mrs Maisel
0: <gasps> did you just love it it's so so good
1: I did but they only had three episodes on the plane oh I've seen all two seasons. (laughs) See, I think I might get Amazon Prime just to watch Marvellous Mrs. Maisel.
0: Honestly, it's worth it because (laughs) so on Amazon Prime I've watched Marvellous Mrs. Maisel. I think you would also like Red Oaks. There's been a few other shows on there that I don't know if I'd necessarily recommend to you, but Marvellous Mrs. Maisel is incredible. It's so good.
1: So can we just talk about the fact that her husband is such an asshole? Like that was infuriating me. I was just I like, dick.
0: yeah, especially in the first couple of episodes. But you kind of grow to like. <laughs> he comes,
1: he becomes a little bit lovable. I think. I know, but I mean, I guess that, that would happen. But um, I was just like, you are just weak. I don't like you. Like you just no like, so spine. Yeah, I know, right? Whereas she's just, like, gutsy out there. Like, I just loved her. But she's I did find it a so a great character. Fun. Like, I find it, uh, the music's great. Um, I like the little, like, I love my favourite thing so far in it was the scene where they're doing the exercise. And uh-huh. just the way that that's filmed and coordinated and everything is just so clever. You just, Yeah. Really, really clever. But the exercises are so ridiculous. Yeah,
0: like a little exercise class.
1: It thing. sort of reminded me of um, the Stepford Wives. Oh,
0: no.
1: Well, they have this little thing and they're doing their, like, dainty female exercises and they're like, oh, spin cycle, ladies. Like, it's yeah. um, it sort of reminded me of that, like, exercise for females, like, so you don't actually sweat. Like, it's, yeah. Yeah. It's so funny and ridiculous. Yeah, definitely. I definitely want to watch that now. It looks amazing. Um, And then I just watched Brooklyn Nine-Nine too because they had a select few episodes on the plane. They had like six episodes. So I put that on and then kept reading Harry Potter just because I was like, it's comforting. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, it's almost really annoying when you then are not watching a movie on the plane because then all you
1: hear is the plane and it's like, you just need something. So yeah, you yeah. need something comforting and familiar, like nine nine. Nine nine. <laughs> but I kept being like, ah, Jack, this is funny, this is funny, this funny bit. Like, like I hate you. You're oh, a good pet. Yeah. <laughs> um, and since I got here, I finished a book yesterday. Um, so I finished a book called The Paper and Heart Society by Lucy Powery, who we had on the podcast and who would say is a friend of the show.
0: Yeah, we had her on ages ago. Oh my goodness. We had her I'm on so excited of, to read that. Contract. Is that where we had her on? Mm-hmm. Oh. Well that's exciting. Because yeah. we talked
1: to her <laughs> oh. about it because she didn't have it then.
0: Yeah. Oh my goodness. I'm so excited to read it though. It looks like sounds like such a adorable, fun, light hearted but wonderful book.
1: Yes, and I think anyone who is um, fond of this podcast and us, talking bookish things and friends talking bookish things and us playing Harry Potter games is going to find it fun because that's the essence of the bookish friendship in the book it's basically all about finding people who are just as weird as you and enjoy doing weird things like bookish Harry Potter quizzes and stuff like that Not that there's nothing yeah. wrong with that at all, but it's just very much like, yeah, if you if you like hearing us ramble on about books and shit, then you're going to love this book. It's delightful. I'm very proud of Lucy.
0: Yeah. Well, I think, you know, it's one of those books that's like um, I guess similar to the book Ninja in a way that it's like a bit of a love song to readers. Yeah.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, and the sort of book that like we as – 15-year-olds probably would have really, really loved.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I'm so excited to read that one. That one's next, I think.
1: Yeah, it will be a really lovely weekend. You should read it after your aerial comp.
0: Yeah. (laughs) So, yes, I will have an update for this in the next podcast about how it all went. But um, in case you didn't know, everyone, I do... Aerials, which is silks and hoop, but specifically for this competition, I'm competing for hoop. So I'm doing a solo to look at me. I'm um, Sandra D from Greece, and a doubles routine with my younger sister. and We're doing a bit of a medley of songs from the Parent Trap soundtrack. <gasps> yes, I didn't
1: know that. Oh, are you, you doing it? Do, 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 do. That one? Yes.
0: <laughs> so we have a bit of a thing at the start, we're doing like our routine in three minutes is like sort of a bit of a story about, like, you know, we're here or whatever, and then, like, oh my God, who are you? I hate you. And then working together or whatever. And then we've got the handshake, and then yes. like a big dance thing at the end so yes Michelle will be anxiously waiting the videos of these routines
1: <laughs> I'm so excited um, Sunday morning when I get to watch the routines <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah so um I will probably be putting up some videos and stuff on my story of the routines so we'll see it's going to be so much fun though but I'm sore and have bruises everywhere for training and practicing <laughs> for this call
1: Oh, I'm so excited for you. You're gonna be really amazing.
0: Thanks, Michelle.
1: I'm just sad that I can't come to you on in person.
0: That's all right. I'll just send you the video.
1: Yeah, it's gonna be good. <laughs> uh, speaking of things right. be good. We are very excited about our interview today.
0: Yes, we are. We're finally releasing this one into the world. Seems like so long ago that we chatted to Michael.
1: I know. Speaking of delightful people, oh, Michael is an absolute doll. We loved him so much. Yeah. So yeah. Hope you love him too. This week, we're welcoming a writer editor, and bookseller with a passion for diverse children's and young adult literature. He's studied early childhood teaching and children's literature so he can better be better equipped to write about and sell books for young readers. He's also part of an incredible new Love Os YA anthology, Underdog Short Stories, and is editing another short story anthology full of queer Love Os YA stories which will be released in coming months. Welcome to Better Words, Michael Earp
2: hi thanks for having me
1: thank you so my much pleasure. for joining us we both fine. Yeah, we both read
0: um your story in underdog and we're like oh my god it's so cute <laughs> it is so lovely and sweet it is i mean the you know like lovely sweet contemporary YA that's just like right up our alley yeah. we yeah. live for I, those stories
2: and basically <laughs> throw the the cuteness that I want in my own life, so.
1: yeah. Oh, yeah, feel that, yeah. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> um, so I guess the best place to start before we talk specifically about your story would be Underdog itself and how you got involved in that anthology.
2: Um, well, I it was there was a general call out um, for submissions. Uh, it was the parameters where you just had to write for young adults and be an Australian and be unpublished. And so at the time, I was all of those things and um, saw the the call out going around social media. And so I thought, well, I can do that. And I even had a story ready to go because um, interestingly, I had written Meet and Greet, which is the story in mm-hmm. Underdog, intending to put it in Kindred uh, but then due to an editorial choice of my own for Kindred I decided to write something else for that and so I had a story sitting there and so when I saw Underdog be advertised I thought well I don't even have to do the work for this and yeah I was lucky enough to be one of the 12 stories selected which is thrilling it's great
0: Yeah, I just, I think it's such an amazing idea. And I know Underdog only just came out, but I do hope it's something that, you know, can continue and it can, you know, continue to share new batches, new unpublished writers, because like, what a cool idea to, you know, just share a short story. And um, definitely, I think in this case, in the first round of the 12 of you who were chosen, you know, there were so many familiar names for a lot of us and bloggers (laughs) that we know.
1: And so I think that was... We're very
2: active online. So
1: So that was really fun. But I was so impressed and we aren't going to go into Underdog too much because we have a second episode with Tobias, but we were both so impressed with the quality of the writing Mm -hmm. and like I'm just so excited for the future of young adults literature in this country if these, these are our like previously unpublished writers it's just so exciting yeah
2: yeah I think it's such a strong collection and um really varied in what everyone is offering as well yes. um, yeah some of those stories really took me by surprise um I mean I guess I was caught up in my own head with uh, my own story that was in it and kind of just assumed there'd be a lot of contemporary realism, mm. but there's actually a really good mix of very different genres and styles uh, in Underdog. And so it's, um, it's a great thing to be a part of. It's a great thing to be in the world. And, like, it really is all down to Tobias and the Underdog team because it's Tobias's dream and hard work and money that um, he's sunk into this project. And so, you know, kudos to him to yeah. getting it out there in the world.
1: Definitely, Absolutely. it's a it's a fantastic project. Um, but let's go back to you um, yeah. and your really gorgeous story. So we've been gushing about it, but for people who haven't read it, it's basically like a bookstagram meet cute. Um, so you, why did you want to like do a new sort of bookish bookstagram spin on a classic, you know, meet cute story?
2: Um, I guess... It came about because I had just spent a wonderful day at Melbourne Writers' Festival myself. Um, It was 2016? No, 17. I'm mixed up. I think it's 16. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was 2016, Um, the year that David Levithan came out for Melbourne Writers' Festival. And so I had just basically done what um the main character um had done it, which is go to a melbourne writers festival event and meet his literary idol so <laughs> i had seen david levithan speak and then queued to get my books signed and by books i mean i had a green bag full of about 20 of <laughs> I stacked them up on the table and was like don't mind me I'm just obsessed with you um and <laughs> <laughs> so and then after that I had spent a wonderful afternoon with friends uh we went to a cafe in De Grave Street I ate hot chips and drank hot chocolate and I just came away from it thinking that was such a lovely day
0: yeah imagine
2: a short story was sort of structured around that and um, and interestingly, that I find this fascinating, funny, particularly because when I wrote it, wrote that story, I had kindred in mind for it. Mm-hmm. But um, it was like not that this particular Instagram relationship was flirty or anything like that, but I had known Tobias very vaguely through instagram and had that was the sort of seed for the instagram meet cute part of it because i was like what if there was someone that you knew a little bit online and then you met them in real been.
0: life yeah
2: yeah and because you both like the same sort of things books in this case and so i um that's how that element of the story worked its way in and then by the turn of events it was Tobias who then published this particular <laughs>
1: <interview>. <laughs> But you know what? I, oh, love, I that love that so yeah. much because, like, we have this experience as well. And I, I mean, totally platonic relationships. But I mean, I've literally gone overseas to stay with someone I've only met through Twitter. Like, it's. It just blows my mind the more that we start talking about these things. How mm. many of my friends, and I would say, you know, I tell people in real life, I'm like, oh, my friend, my friend such and such. And they're like, oh, how did you meet? I'm like, Instagram? Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, like what? we we would consider so many people we know on Instagram to be our friends. And yet we might have met once or, you know, we might have yeah. been chatting and considered them a friend long before we met it's just it's like the new millennium version of pen power friends
2: yeah absolutely when I went to America last year I met one guy who I'd known on Twitter for seven years Wow. um, and we had met uh, online because I was tweeting about my master's thesis um, which was I wrote um, I wrote a young adult novel for my master's thesis and Mm. I was and it was um, it was all about, it was a um, queer YA with um, sort of looking at religion and sexuality and that sort of thing. And so I was tweeting about oh. that. And then this guy, um, uh, he had done his PhD on exactly the same topic. Oh. And so we ended up like sharing our theses with each other and giving each other feedback and stuff. And so we'd been friends for years online. And then we finally met when I went to a children's bookselling conference in New Orleans. And he didn't go to that because he's not a bookseller, but um, he works in the world of like libraries and the American Library Association. So our conference was directly following the children's book selling one. And so we had one night in New Orleans together where we had dinner and hung out all night. And then like now we chat all the time. It's brilliant.
1: That's awesome. That's so cool. Yeah. Oh, I just, I love these stories. Oh, <laughs> I know. Like so I love bookish friendship stories. Like, yeah. I mean, that's how I became friends with Grace. Mm. um as well and like met her in London and she when she was in Australia we end up being on the same plane together which was a bizarre coincidence I know I still so that yeah happened. that was super weird so we had the same plane from Dubai to Brisbane and then when she was in Brisbane I took her book shopping and then when we visited the UK again we um stayed near her place and now we're moving to the same sort of area that she's in because we're like well at least we have one friend <laughs>
2: yeah that's just it like you you get to know you get to know people online and like I have other friends that I met through Instagram because I posted a, a photo of um uh, a, a Philip Pullman event that I was at. Like, Philip Pullman wasn't even there. He was being telecasted in. But <laughs> because of this photo that I posted, someone who had been following me but never interacted with me up until that point was like, oh, my God, I love him. And I'm like, so do I. And now we chat almost every single day. It and happens. when I was a in New York, of people. it was great.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah. It's so awesome. I mean, you know, bef- pre- I guess, Instagram friends and, you know, using the internet to talk to people outside of, you know, my town or whatever, I have always said that most of my current friendships are based on Harry Potter, you know, like we become (laughs) friends with people because we have similar interests and everything. And it's just, it's just awesome that it can happen with anybody anywhere in the world.
1: Exactly. Yeah. So I love that your story celebrates that. It's beautiful. Yeah so beautiful um so that sort of answered my next question which was your experience of the bookish community online but would you say that that bookish community has changed your reading habits
2: um in some ways I think it does like I mean my reading habits have been so uh strangely dictated my whole life well not my whole life but for seven years I worked for um, Walker Books as one of their sales reps mm-hmm. and I prided myself on being a rep that had read most of what I was selling so I did a lot of reading that was just what Walker was publishing and yeah. I would, like maybe once a month be f- fitting in a book that um, wasn't a Walker book. But, uh, yeah, so for seven years of my life, I had my reading fairly well planned out for me and, yeah, squeezed in other things when I could. Since moving back to bookselling and I'm like, now I can choose whatever I want. (laughs) Uh, It's like, it's one thing to say that because I can choose from all the publishers now without being, you know, Uh, frowned upon but (laughs) at the same time I have all of the sales reps that see me pushing the new releases on me saying oh you really have to read this you really have to read this and so there's this expectation from all of the publishers to keep up to date with all of their key new releases yeah and so now I feel that pressure (laughs) and part of me is like I'm just gonna buck against that and read whatever the hell I want whenever (laughs) I want because I just can't handle it. Um, But then it's also really bizarre with the whole Instagram bookish community. like.
0: Yep, reading all the hyped books at the same time as everyone else.
2: Yeah, and I usually avoid hype. If if a book's being hyped, I'm like, not for me, not for me. I don't care.
1: Oh, my God.
2: (laughs) Years later, I'll be like, okay, I'll see what it's like.
1: Yeah. Oh I God. like make it my mission to ignore it. Like, yeah, I'm like, no, nah, not for me. <laughs> I
0: know, but then she's just super late to the party, basically. Yeah, basically.
2: <laughs> I mean, that's like I read Illuminate two years after everyone was a- raving about it, and I'm like, that was so much fun. <laughs> I probably should have read that when everyone else did, but anyway. Um, but I love like it's really fascinating when I have people come into the shop and, like, I'll be serving them, helping them find a book or whatever, and then they'll be like, oh, I follow you on Instagram. Because <laughs> 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 I'm like, oh, my God, how personal do I get in my Instagram? And, like, I mean, I don't get too personal, but then they know my reading habits and they know what I like through my Instagram. Here I am pushing things in the shop as well. So, um, yep. yeah, it's a great community to be a part of. I love
0: it it is and you know i agree with you there i even still get shocked sometimes when people are like oh no I'm like i've listened to your podcast even like you know other, like other best friends or my roommate or my family or something they're like oh yeah no i've listened and i'm like what and i'm like even though they're the people who know me best in the world i'm still like <gasps> what have i said yeah. even though i'm happily broadcasting it to the rest of the internet yeah but
2: there's, there's- Beautiful thing in the anonymity, an, an, I can't get that word out of my mouth right now.
0: Anonymity.
2: An, an an huh? Social media where you're like, you know people are looking but you don't know those people per se. And yeah. Like when someone is standing in front of you going, yes, I was reading everything that you've put on your blog. I'm like, oh, wow. Yeah. Immediately goes back to check old posts. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. Um, Obviously, you're having a huge year because you've got Underdog that's just been released and you've gone through all the launch parties for that. But pretty soon you're also about to launch Kindred, which is that queer Love Osweir anthology we mentioned in the intro. Um, And you're editing it, which is really exciting, but obviously a lot of work. So tell us a bit about that and how you got involved.
2: Um, Kindred was a dream of mine that I concocted in 2016 um 16 no 17 there we go I'll get <laughs> um, because i had uh, at the time i was the chair of the love of way a committee oh. um i was a volunteer as a part of that committee and had recently become chair when Danielle Binks had stepped down um, and Mm -hmm. she was just experiencing her success with the release of Begin and Begin, um, the first sort of Love of A anthology. And so that was out in the world. And so I remember exactly when I started thinking about Kindred because I was at the launch of Begin and Begin. And... Danielle, obviously, being the previous chair of the Love community, uh committee, and me being the current one, lots of people came up to me at that launch and were like, This is great. When are, are you editing the next one?
1: <laughs> oh, pressure.
2: <laughs> unrelated things. Being the chair of the committee and editing an anthology is not the same. And
0: don't
2: go hand in hand. No, Danielle had done a lot of work getting Begin and Begin out into the world um, of her own accord and working with her publisher in order to do that. And the fact that she also volunteered on the Love Week Way com- committee was, you know, almost completely separate to that. It's yeah. just they had to use the same hashtag and so people saw them as being one and the same. And so everyone asking me, like I'd never considered editing anything before because I don't think of myself as an editor. Um, but when everyone was asking me this, I was like, yeah, what What if I did? Like, Good idea. <laughs> yeah. Um, but if I did, me being me, I would want it to be a dedicated queer one because I just usually when I see something that I like in the world, I'm like, okay, I like that. How can I make it gay? Um, <laughs> so, um, Yeah. So that's when I started plotting. And then it was a month, I think later, maybe two months later that I went to the reading matters conference mm-hmm. the State library of Victoria holds. And I, um, that was just mind-blowing for me um Adele Welsh had done the programming for and she had smashed it out of the park that year it was such a brilliant conference and I just felt alive on every level coming away from that and it was at Reading Matters that I was like yes the world needs more diverse voices mm-hmm. what can I to help that. And so I really started brainstorming who I would ask to be in a Love Osweigh um, anthology that was queer-focused and um, just started dreaming up my wish list of authors. And then um, I actually that w- I started dreaming that up with the help of Danielle and um, Nicola Santilli, who turned out to be my editor on kindred as well um Mm -hmm. she helped me right from the beginning um putting the pitch together and so then i just started pitching publishers until i got an offer Uh, and then then the work began after all yeah
1: then the real work starts
2: (laughs) and if you want if you want to like clock a few um, hundred thousand words in emails then you know edit an anthology it's, <laughs> it's a great way to get your word count up <laughs> even if not, a, not what you're thinking of creative word count but um yeah all a whole lot of emails
0: yeah emails make the
1: world turn <laughs> wow um and so who are some of the authors who were involved and you know how many of them were on your initial dream list
2: right um oh if i knew that question was coming i would have found well, maybe it's
1: sorry we will we will link of course but yes
2: no that's all right i think i've got my notebook right my initial yeah here it is my reading it'll be here somewhere and so although this is, sounds terrible like i don't know if i should name the, the the ones that made the original cut.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, you can keep them anonymous, Sorry. but, um, you know, were, yeah, is it out. still quite quite similar or have you expanded um, it? Or? Uh,
2: so five or, s- well, if you count me, because I was always going to contribute.
0: <laughs> you were course, always on the list, yeah.
2: Um, Six of the of my original wish list, or well, just brainstorming list, actually. It was just that if I could ask anyone, who would I ask? And so six of the 12
1: are on that original list. That's so cool. That's amazing. That's really cool. yeah, um, That's pretty cool. And proof that if um, you have a big dream, you can make it happen.
2: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so the complete contributor list as it stands for those who don't know because this is i'm just so proud of this list of contributors i think it's brilliant um we've got jacks jackie brown claire g coleman Alison evans erin goff benjamin law omar Saka, Christoph tolkes ellen van nierven marley jane ward jen wild and nevozism as well as myself
0: what a lineup
2: I know it's brilliant
0: <laughs> it's really really exciting it's so exciting you must be getting so excited now that you know I guess suppose I don't want to say the journey is like coming to an end but you know we're almost you know it's almost out in the world
2: <laughs> um you say that but uh there's a whole lot of work going on yeah like for example um it it about a month ago. Yeah, at the beginning of March, it went to print. Mm-hmm. And that was an amazing moment. And I had a little bit of a cry.
0: Yeah, and
2: then, <laughs> just to know that, oh, yes, we're, we've gone to print. Um, I can stop stressing about that side of things now. And now I'm like, oh, yes, going forward. Because um, not only am I planning one of the more extravagant book launches that I've ever known. <laughs> um, uh, but also, and that's proving to be a lot of work for me, which is fine. It's a you know thing of passion, and I just want this to be a huge celebration. Um, but also, um, I was awarded an Australia Council of the Arts grant to tour uh, a selection of the authors to writers festivals around Australia. And so, um, yeah, my work is cut out for me in that Mm -hmm. regard because speaking of emails, there's lots of negotiating (laughs) who's going to which festival and who's paying for what and, um, and how can I get. Kindred in front of as wider audience as possible.
0: Yeah. Um, you know, that, so that like will a be lot of work. the next 18 months
2: of my life.
0: So, wow. yeah. Yep. Okay. So the work's not over. Never mind. <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> so, you know, you did just say like that, getting this book out there with all the festivals in front of a big audience. So why do you think a book like Kindred is so important in making queer stories more accessible and more part of like the mainstream um, culture.
2: Well, um, I mean, there's that that thing you hear over and over and over from lots of different authors who say, "I just I wrote the book that I wanted to have when I was a teenager," mm. and like I have a similar story where I did not um, I did not read any books with queer characters in it as teen as a teenager. And it wasn't until I was in my early to mid-twenties that I actually started discovering queer fiction at all. Mm -hmm. Um, And so to know that we're now in a place where, um, I mean, I don't want to say that these books are being published for queer teens because there has been queer YA um, as far back as the 80s and 90s. It just probably wasn't as widely spread as it could have been. Mm -hmm. Um, And so now that this is something that people are actively engaging with and actively collection building as far as school libraries are concerned, as far as public libraries are concerned, bookshops having dedicated sections and, you know, all of that sort of thing, um, it's great that I can just have something that is so clearly branded as we are YA. Like there's no escaping what's going on in my book. <laughs> <laughs>
0: it's real clear. <laughs> it's right in
2: your face. Um But uh at the same time, it's it is for everyone. Um we have that stunning quote on the cover from um from Lily Wilkinson that says wait, one second, where did it go? Um it just says that it's beautiful, fresh, and exciting. It's a book for everyone, and I love that so much because another another one of my sort of personal mission statements, or you know, motivations, I guess, is um, something that I find myself saying a lot: that if uh, straight people read as many queer stories as queer people have been forced to read straight stories the world would be a very different place
0: oh my god Um, that's so
2: true yeah uh, yeah like it and it's not just books too it's um tv and movies like the amount of straight storylines that were just fed endlessly um and i mean you know i i understand the law of majorities and all of that but that's not the point um the point is that's how we've had to we've had to try and work out am I the like in this scenario that I'm watching or reading do I identify more with the boy or the girl and or whatever and like that like queer queer existence just stretches so far beyond that and so I'm really glad that I can Add to what is out there in the world, and have straight people read it as well as queer people of all kinds.
0: Yeah, yeah. definitely. Oh my God, yeah. No, just what you said. Then I'm like, oh my God, the math I hadn't really <laughs> thought about before. Yeah, like obviously we know that those stories are more more common or whatever in the media, in mainstream media. But yeah, yeah. when you
2: think when you think back on how many you've read that have have just been purely straight up straight stories
1: mm-hmm. uh, without making a conscious I mean, decision to diversify our reading yeah because we're yeah. part of a community that you know is very in tune with what's happening like if I think of what I was reading before yeah. um, before bookstagram and before like just as a general reader based on going into a bookshop and seeing
0: yeah what or, was there or yeah. it was at the top of the best yeah. list or you know, even, yeah, books is one thing, but then you think about, you know, movies and TV shows and Hmm. things like that that just kind of get thrown at you and you just are around and everything. The math is...
1: And the other thing... um, Insane. And, I mean, we can't speak too much about this because we are obviously white, straight. straight. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But I know the other thing that is often talked about is even when you do have queer stories in mainstream TV shows or movies or anything like that sometimes those stories can not be as diverse like they just um you know create a stereotype then mm. whereas you know straight stories are far... always you know there's always a different version or whatever but yeah. they just seems yeah. to sometimes just box in you know different types of gay people and that's all you see on tv mm. so yeah
0: it is good of, of, like, yeah you know there's more than one story mm. yeah yeah
2: yeah, absolutely. Um, there is there is not one way of being queer, mm. and the other thing I would love to say, like I know I can't speak to it much as a you know cis white man, but um, like this is also all other kinds of uh, diversity and mm. identity, and um, like people of color and disability and all of those types of things. Um, Like, I need to be actively reading more voices more widely as well in those regards, not just the queerness. It's just an all-rounder thing, basically. But um, speaking on this, we've got another beautiful uh, endorsement quote from Alison Whittaker. Mm -hmm. Um, And I won't read the whole thing, but there is a sentence in it that says, these dozen stories don't capture a singular queer and or trans voice on this continent yet they harmonize in a way that draws us in into the choir. Oh
1: my yeah. God. Yeah. That's, that's like a perfect example of what yeah. you're trying to create isn't it? To Yeah. Yeah, have some representation but not say this is the only experience. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Oh. So beautiful! I'm so excited to see it on sho- well. Actually, you know what? I probably won't see it on shelves because I won't be in this country. No, but country. Um, yeah, no, I'm excited to see it going everywhere. And yeah, she'll I'm... be very jealous when she starts to see <laughs> show up on all of
0: our Instagrams and yeah. you know all the stories where it's like spotted in a bookshop. No. I love
1: that. Oh, That's one of my right, favorite.
2: Tell all your UK friends to buy it. Even yeah,
1: I've already been doing that with Underdog actually. <laughs> That has already been happening. And, uh,
0: hey. I'll be sending her books that she can't get over there. Don't worry. Oh,
1: yeah? oh this yeah. is good. Thank you.
0: <laughs> we shall do swaps. Yes.
1: Um, anyway, I think that the thing that we have time to chat because we are um, getting close to, I guess, the end of the episode, but um, on your website, you wrote that, You know, at first you kind of worried about cocooning yourself a bit too much in children's and YA, um, but then you realise, you know, that's perfectly okay because it makes you genuinely really happy and motivated. Um, So I guess it would be nice if you could expand on that a little bit more and tell us what it is about children's and YA that you do love so much.
2: Um, See, it was never a conscious decision for me to move into this world. Um, It happened... Very organically, I was working at Borders. Um, for those of you who remember Borders,
1: oh, I do uh, remember them.
2: <laughs> I was working at the Pitt Street Mall in Sydney store, um, the huge one in the city, in the city centre, um, and it it was split over three levels. This particular store, and when I first started, I was working on all three levels. But the top floor was simply the children's section and the magazine section, and that was it. all adult literature and was downstairs mm-hmm. um, and just slowly but surely, I found that it was the kids' books that I was reading more of it was um, that they, they were just more fun and. I was engaged with them more and so i started requesting more and more shifts on on that top floor and before i knew it i had become uh what board is called the children's specialist and so all of my shifts were dedicated children's section shifts and um yeah so for five and a half years i just worked in the children's section of a massive bookshop and loved every minute of it and in that time I decided that I wanted to write for children and so I wondered do I do I go and study writing and come out the other end as a penniless writer (laughs) that's how I envisioned it or do I not that
1: far from the truth though
2: (laughs) (laughs) probably not (laughs) Or do I study something that, um, that would potentially give me a career that I can at least have a day job on the other side of? And so I decided what I would do is teaching because that way I'm learning about children and their development. Um, and when I came out the other end, I would at least be able to get a job as a teacher and try and fit my writing around it. I foolishly believed that, teachers get these epic holidays that they have nothing to (laughs) do in and so I'd be able to write my extensive time off like I very quickly learned that that is not the case and anyone who thinks that is the case needs to really look at how much work teachers do and how underpaid they are for it um but I also chose all of the creative writing electives that I could and then ended up doing my my sorry honours um in children's literature too, I wrote and illustrated a picture book and wrote a dissertation on that picture book for my honours thesis. Um, And so, yeah, then I went on to study my master's in children's literature, which branched from picture books right through to young adult fiction. Mm -hmm. And like I said earlier, wrote a YA novel as part of my master's course. Um, And then I, yeah I got to a point where I I realized that I had only read three or five adult books in the last six or seven years wow. and and how just so far removed I was from the world of adult books and when anyone asks me anything about adult books I get really anxious and clam up because I feel like I don't know anything about them and don't really have an interest in learning anything about them. (laughs) Terrible, I know. But um, then I realised when people were starting to ask me to come and talk at events from my bookseller's perspective, um, I realised that what I had done in my 15 odd years of nothing but children's literature. I was developing, like, I'm now an expert on some level on, um, you know, well, I know... I I know what I'm talking about because it's literally been my life for 15 years.
0: Yeah, Um, no, I'd say you're pretty qualified.
2: (laughs) So, um, yeah, now I try not to get too hard on myself as having wasted my life reading children's books and realise that children's books are brilliant and they're entirely worthy of my time. And the fact that I can um, dedicate my life to them in every way, shape and form at the moment Uh, like writing, reading, book selling, advocacy, you know, all of it. I'm I'm really happy that I've gone the way that I have. And I'm even more thrilled that I'm now getting to the point where I can contribute my own writing to that world.
0: Absolutely. That's just wonderful. And I do love the way you described all of that because I think sometimes, you know, I think it's getting, oh, it actually probably isn't getting less. I'm completely losing what I'm saying. I was going to say that sometimes children's books and YA and everything can be seen as, you know, a bit silly or frivolous or, you know, like like adults shouldn't be reading these Mm. books intended for teens. And I don't think that's going away. I think I'm just getting more involved in the world <laughs> where it is okay. Yeah.
1: Um, yeah, you, no, I still, about that though?
2: I still have people, um, like, when you're out meeting people for the first time who aren't from the world of books mm-hmm. and you tell them you read a lot and they're like, oh, what do you read? And you start listing things and they're like, I've never heard of these people. Yes. And you're like, well, it's because they're kids or YA books. And they, you just get this, oh, Mm-hmm. And it's like,
0: mm-hmm.
2: I, as an adult, I feel entirely fulfilled by my reading. Mm-hmm. I do not feel like I am lacking anything from reading children's literature. There is just as many big ideas about the world, about the human condition, about how we relate to each other in children's books as there are in adult books. And I refuse to have anyone make me feel any less because this is what I enjoy reading
0: and yes. this is what I get out of the world. Oh, my God. yeah, <laughs> <laughs> You just that so well. <laughs> yes. Yes.
1: <gasps> I love that. Yes. I yeah, I want to frame that and put it on my wall. <laughs> it's so good. Yes. Okay. I think that's the perfect note to end it on. Let's just all embrace who we are, embrace what we love and celebrate it and also never shame anyone else for liking what they like. Exactly. (laughs) Thank you so much for joining us, Michael. Um, Hopefully everyone will be able to pick up a copy of Kindred in all good bookstores. Same with Underdog. Um, But yes, where can people find you specifically if they want to follow you online?
2: So I blog at um, michaelerp.net and I'm on Instagram and Twitter at littleelfman.com sorry just littleelfman that's my handle there's no.com on the end of that um and I just want to say that Kindred is out on June 1st.
1: Thank you so much Michael it's been a pleasure to talk to you um thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Bye! (laughs) Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Better Words. If you enjoyed it, we'd love it if you left a rating or review on iTunes. It really would mean the world to us. And you can
0: also find us at our website, betterwordspodcast.com, and on social media at Better Words Pod, on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Bye! Bye!